Welcome to the Deskbound Therapy Podcast, hosted by David London. David is a posture and mobility expert, yoga teacher, and certified online trainer. This podcast is about empowering deskbound professionals, how to live their healthiest life, and move pain-free. Now, let's dive into this episode. If you're out there right now and you're trying to live a life on your own terms, a peak performing life, a world-class life, it's really going to come down to your moment-to-moment choices. Emotional pain in life is a guarantee. If you're human, you know that. What you do about it is not. You have a choice to either develop a virtue and a strength or to escape the pain into a vice. That's an absolutely beautiful quote, and that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. I'm super excited. Welcome back to episode 35 of the Deskbound Therapy Podcast. I'm here with my friend Alan Zaros. For those of you who don't know, he's the co-host of the Hyperconscious Podcast, former fitness coach, motivational speaker, and certified badass. So super happy to have you here, man. For those of you who don't know, feel free to tell them a bit more about you before we dive into this. Thank you so much. That was a hell of an intro. Certified BA, certified badass. I like it. So for those of you who don't know me, uh, again, I'll just kind of go a little bit into who I used to be, who I am now, who I aspire to be. I used to be someone who was super, super curious about everything. I always wanted to understand human beings, understand myself, um, learn, learning. I've just been obsessed with learning. And nowadays what I do is I speak, I coach, I consult. Um, I also have a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. And so my main focus is oratory. I study some of the most successful speakers in the world, JFK, MLK, Steve Jobs, all them. But my main focus is to use my words to communicate effectively, to raise awareness so that you can make a better choice in your life. And, and to go back to the original quote that I had said at the very beginning of this episode, life is about choices. The problem is if we're not aware, we're not actually making those choices based on truth. And so I'll give you a tiny example. And and I think this is a testament to kind of who I aspire to be really. If there's a parent and a child and the child is two years old and the child, God forbid, got hurt or hit by a car, whose fault is it, the parent or the child? Most people would say it's nobody's fault or it's the parent's fault, but it's definitely not the child's fault. Why is that? because the child was unaware that cars were dangerous. So life to me is about choices, but you're not actually making choices unless you have a higher sense of awareness. If you don't know what's possible for you, awareness, knowledge, then you're not really able to choose that path. And so my only goal with this podcast, this episode is to grow and develop leaders because leaders make good choices. And the only way to make good choices sometimes is to, to, talk about some of the bad ones and the lessons we've learned and that's what I'm here to do. Yeah, I'm really excited for this episode because a lot of the times people just try to, you know, throw the mindset stuff in or or get started with their health and their fitness, but they they just shove it into their lifestyle and they don't really take that time to, you know, develop that awareness of their body, of their mind and how it can really fit into their lifestyle. And a lot of times too, you know, even when both of us, you know, got started with fitness, it was so hard to eat healthy and we didn't know what to eat. And it was just that we didn't have that awareness that you're talking about. I feel like that's been the biggest game changer for me and like transforming my body like more than I have and getting stronger in the past like year and a half is now that I've been doing a lot of this mindset work and discovered your podcast. So it really changes how I've done my coaching as well. Like now I'm, I know we talked the other day, like I, we both do like habit based coaching with our, for our fitness so it's it's pretty cool stuff. For those listening, you definitely want to keep listening. <laughs> and I know you talk about too on your I was checking out your Instagram. You talk about how like you can use fitness to change your entire life and you know, performing well by feeling well. So do you mind going into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So fitness saved my life in a lot of ways and I'll I'll kind of explain why that is. So early on um I grew up in an environment that had had drinking and partying and fun in it. And I got kind of immersed in that. I had an older sister who was three years older and her friends used to come over and, and, and have parties and such. And it was all good and fun, but I was a little bit young. So I had my first alcoholic drink when I was 14. 
And after that, I did, I kind of, I kind of got immersed into, you know, sort of the party lifestyle a little bit. And I was really good academically and I still had goals and dreams and all that, but the, the drinking thing was definitely a norm for me. And I realize now, now I'm almost 400 days sober. And now it's, it's so obvious to me that that used to be such a normal part of my life, a normal, what, what we surround ourselves with becomes normal. And so what I'll say is this, you know, in high school, I did some partying in college. I did some more partying and then I went into corporate America and I, I, uh, was in inside sales. Then I got promoted to outside sales and the drinking was a large part of that community too. Fitness saved my life. And here's why to get back to the original thing here. When you choose something that you care about so much, there's implications to that. And so once I decided that fitness was my top priority, guess what? Now all of a sudden alcohol has to not be because if you want to be my goal was to be the greatest natural aesthetic men's physique fitness model on the planet. Uh, one of my heroes is Greg Plitt. You know, Greg? Oh, he's one of my, he was my hero, man. I love Greg. Yeah, Greg one is my, awesome. One of my goals growing up was to meet him. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but he's, he inspired me. I'd watch his videos every morning. Greg Plitt, Cultivation on YouTube. Yeah, Greg Plitt is uh, RIP. You know, legacy lives on. Mm-hmm. I still have his app. I still, I still support him and his family through that, like through his business. But he motivated me too, man. He really was speaking some real truth. And, and, you know, I think he was all about unleashing the greatness within you. And what I'll tell you is that his physique was on my phone background for two years. And I used to actually get made fun of because I had a guy in my background. Right. But I just wanted to be the greatest natural aesthetic men's physique fitness model. I could be, I've done three fitness shows and, and I actually won one of them, which was really cool. But the reason why I'm saying this is because once I had that goal, that dream, to have the greatest natural physique possible, all of a sudden alcohol was no longer fitting into that equation, into that recipe. And so if you're out there right now and you want to have good habits, here's what I'll tell you. We think success in fitness or in life is about what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What do I got to do? What's the next supplement I have to take or the next workout I have to do? You know what I find really interesting, and I think this is profound. It's more about what you have to get yourself to stop doing. I think that we spend a lot of our days doing things that are very negative and very not productive. And I think success is more about saying no to the wrong things so that you can make room for the right things. Yeah, and it's true. A lot of times, too, I feel like I'm sure you can resonate on that when you get started you know, stopping your drinking and you made that shift to want to, you know, you took it out of the equation when you decided to, you know, live that fitness lifestyle that there was a a bit of resistance, right? It didn't like come naturally that you could just like go, you know, zero to 100 on, on dropping that. So what are some things you use to, you know, obviously you're making empowered choices, but to get, get past that resistance so you can transform your lifestyle. So, I had a ton of resistance, right? Because you, you got to understand that everything in your life right now, if you're out there listening, is a byproduct of who you are today and who you used to be. So a, a simple example would be, you know, you can see me right now on this microphone communicating to you guys, but you're not seeing the 431 other times that I've done this. And so every moment in time is a snapshot, an amalgamation, a compound effect of all the choices you've made up to this point. And so the relationships that you have in your life, friends, family, clients, intimate partners, you name it, are actually a byproduct of all those choices that you've made up to now. So for example, if, you, if drinking was a big part of your life like it was for me, all of your relationships are actually predicated on that more than you realize. And, and if anyone who's gone through a massive transformation realizes that all of, a lot of their old friends don't like them for who they are now, and, and it's not because they don't like them. I, Here's what I'll say. When I started going deep into, I remember I, I wrote an article on my LinkedIn. It was called Changing My Labels, The Power of Labels and Self-Identity. I changed my label from alcoholic. I, took, I got rid of that label and I transformed it into bodybuilder. And I remember when I first did that, this was so long ago. It's five years ago now, probably almost six. And I got made fun of a lot. Like, oh, you're a bodybuilder now? Now you're a bodybuilder? Oh, now you're a speaker now? Right? Like all my buddies and stuff. And honestly, like, here's what I'll tell you. People in your life who care about you, 
care about you for who you used to be and who you are now. They don't know who you aspire to be unless you're very vocal about that. And there are certain people who will support your endeavors no matter what, and they want you to chase your dreams and, and step into your greatness. And there are other people that just don't. And what Greg Plitz says is that your success is a spotlight shining down on their missed opportunities. When I went from drinking regularly to then going to the gym regularly, there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of turmoil. It was really hard to cut away from some of those past relationships. And I think it's interesting now because, you know, you've probably heard the quote, most people have, you are the sum average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you surround yourself with people who don't go to the gym for five, 10, 15 years, and then suddenly you go to the gym every day and you're all in on fitness, of course, those other people are going to be like, what's this about? Like, are you, maybe they'll be excited at first for you, but like eventually they're going to notice that you're outgrowing them and, and you're, you're kind of, okay maybe you're not going to the parties anymore. Maybe you're not going to the get togethers anymore. Maybe you're not drinking at the wedding they invited you to. And now all of a sudden you're, I remember one time I brought my bodybuilding meals to a wedding and one of my friends got so upset with me. Like we paid money for your meal at this wedding and you're, you know, she got really upset that I brought my meal in Tupperware. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But honestly, like these are my goals. Right. And I won that show. Right. So, you know, I'm sorry, but you don't get to decide what I do and don't eat. And Here's what I'll tell you. It really is difficult. I think pretending that it's not difficult is the mistake. I think we have to realize like it's a choice. I can either stay here with my old friends and my old associations, or I can head and, and fight courageously for what I believe in. And, and that second one I will tell you is really lonely at times, but here's what I'll tell you on the other end of it. There's a lot of other people that are congruent that are going to be attracted to you and love you and care about you. Man, that's some powerful stuff right there. It's so true. Like, I've noticed it to myself, like, since I've gotten into that, you know, the meditation, the mindfulness, and listening to your podcast and other podcasts, you know, about, you know, just personal development, I've started to notice that, like, now that I've upped my frequency, I'm starting to, you know, attract more like-minded people who are into similar stuff like you. And, like, I have this, I have some friends locally who are, who are newer friends, but I'm resonating with them a lot more. And then I'll... Even that before that, like throughout my whole career at university, all of my friends that I made were people I met at the gym. That's just like where I socialized and where we hang out. And then when we went out, it was just, you know, just to get food or something. But and then before that, when I wasn't when I had friends outside of there, it was just like, you're right. I didn't think about it like that, but it is a compound because it was like, OK, let's go for a drink. That's how you associate. And then as it shifts, it's, you know. Maybe it's let's go to the gym together. Let's go for a walk. Let's meditate together. But it's really cool how once you allow that choice to happen in your life, you start to attract those types of people. Right. I, I, I talk often about filters and magnets, and I think this is really powerful for your listeners because I didn't, I wish I understood this earlier. Who you are is a filter and a magnet. If you don't suppress yourself and you truly embody who you are, you're going to filter out people who don't belong and you're going to attract people who do. And here's what I'll tell you. I remember back in high school, I was really, really into video games. I was, I was like a semi-pro Halo player. Do you know Halo? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I was a semi, when Halo 1 and Halo 2, I'm like older, right? I'm 31, even though I look 12. So um, Halo 1 and Halo 2 were really big when I was in high school, Halo 2 especially. And I was a semi-pro Halo 2 player. And all my friends were like really good at Halo. And what I realized is that, and this is just a cold, hard truth. And it's really hard to admit this to myself, but once I did, I could make better choices. All my friends were more my friends because of Halo than because of shared core values. Halo was a shared interest. It was a mutual, like I would, I would do LAN parties. Um, I would get together with them. We'd play online. We'd talk online. Halo was the common denominator. The friendship wasn't based on character. It was based on Halo and that's okay. But once you realize that, you start realizing like, oh, most of my friendships were not based on growth and contribution and core values. They're based on something. So now all of a sudden that Halo's not a thing, I still go back into those old rooms and I realize like, oh, okay. Now that Halo is gone, would we, if it wasn't for Halo, would we be friends? That is a very hard question to sit with. And Halo is just an analogy for anything. Drinking. If it wasn't for drinking, would we be friends? 
if it wasn't for us being at the same college, would we be friends? Would we be friends today based on mutual goals and mutual core values? Here's what I'll tell you. And then I'll, I'll, I'll go to the next question. Every relationship you have in your life right now is there for a reason. You have to understand what that reason is. And I think the reason we should be associated with people are a combination of two things, shared goals and interests or shared core values. Simple example, everybody goes to a wedding. Whether you've talked to this couple in the last 10 years or the last two years, everyone at the wedding is there for a common goal to support the love of this couple that they care about. But that does not mean they share core values. That's why weddings are so uncomfortable because you put a bunch of people in a room who normally would not be in a room together. They don't necessarily have shared interests. They don't necessarily, so everyone has a common goal to support someone they care about and the love of that couple, but not everyone has shared core values. And that's actually why I believe alcohol is so prevalent at weddings and why there's an open bar is because I always, I, when I was trying to overcome drinking, weddings were my kryptonite. That was when I would always fall off. And I, I realized why alcohol was to get me out of discomfort, social anxiety. And I wondered why is my social anxiety so high in weddings? It's because everybody's dressed up. Everybody's forced into a room that these are all people you normally wouldn't hang out with. I'm not saying weddings are bad. Weddings are great. I just want people out there listening to realize that you don't necessarily share core values with the people that you used to associate with. Because if you want to grow, you're going to have to change. And if you have grown, you have changed, but have your friendships, your relationships, your intimate partnerships, have those changed with you and evolved with you? Or are you just going back to an old version of yourself every time you're with that person? Yeah, it's true for sure. Cause especially if you're trying to, you know, make progress in the gym, like just like you to transform your body or even just get more flexible and get more mobile. Like you need to surround yourself with people with similar goals. Otherwise it's just, like, I know like I was the first in my friend group in high school to start working out and I was just like the only one and then I made friends online like I had I joined some you know beach body fitness group and I was just just always just typing with those friends and that's who you know I was attracted to associating with and if it wasn't for that I don't know if I would still be you know even a fitness coach to this day because like everyone thought I was weird I was like why do you got to work out just go play sports but I don't know I, I saw the P90X and I wanted to look like Tony Horton, so I, I did what it had to take. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. If you work at a desk job and want to move pain-free, look and feel your best, let's get the conversation started to see if you could be a good fit for David's coaching program. Connect with us through all the social platforms and see the show notes below. And, and that's a truth, too, is like whenever you do something uncommon – it's going to be remarked upon. I always say this, and I think this will help your listeners as well. If you want to do something remarkable, you have to expect people to remark upon it. And when most people, not most people, but a lot of people are negative, of course, some of those remarks will be negative. So if you want to do something remarkable, expect it to be remarked upon. That's what remarkable means, right? But expect some people to really be negative. What are some strategies used to, you know, deal with like the haters, especially now that your podcast is so big and there's so many opinions in the fitness industry? Like what kind of mindset tips do you have for people to just, you know, focus more on what they're in control over and less of the noise? Oh, fire, fire question. The first thing I would say is that self-esteem is really, really important. So if you have low self-esteem, you're going to be chasing um, it in places that are probably unsavory. What do I mean by that? If you have low self-esteem, you probably need a lot of external validation. And I've been there. And what do I mean by external validation? I mean, you're probably going to need approval from other people. You're probably going to end up appeasing more. Instead of doing the only way I know how to gain self-esteem, and I teach this to my clients, our podcast listeners, you name it, keeping the promises you make to yourself. If you're out there listening right now, think about this for a second. This is so powerful when I realize this. If you had a friend who broke as many promises to you as you have broken to yourself, how much would you value that friendship? We all have that friend that just keeps breaking promises to us constantly, right? And we don't value the friendship anymore because it's like, how could I possibly? This is just not working for me, right? We all have a relationship with everything. If you're out there right now, you have a relationship to your hair. Do you like it or dislike it? Is it a positive association or a negative association? You have a relationship to your body. Do you like it or dislike it? 
right? You have a relationship to food. Are you the master or the slave of food? Everything's a relationship, right? So how positive is your relationship with yourself? Okay. So how many of the promises that you make to yourself do you actually keep? That's how you build self-esteem in my opinion. And I use this simple, simple analogy. I don't know if you've ever been sailing, but when you're sailing, the wind is going whatever way it wants. And I actually just recently went sailing for the first time. So I can finally use this analogy based on actual experience, which is really cool. So the wind is going wherever it wants and you want to go a certain direction, right? So you have a goal. Let's say you want to get back to where you went off port. The wind goes whatever direction it wants. Okay. That's like life circumstances, the economy. That's like COVID when the gym was closed, right? We didn't expect that. But how good can you set a sail to make sure that you still head in the direction you want? Now, the interesting thing about sailing is that no matter where the wind's going, you can always find a way to use it to your advantage. But that doesn't mean you go straight from A to B. Sometimes you have to go A to C to E and then eventually get to Z, which is the, where you want to go. You have to kind of Z your way, zigzag through. You have to use the wind to your advantage. So think, think of life circumstances, your emotions, um, all these things as an analogy of like, if I said I was going to go to the gym, so for me, I'll just use, use me as an example here. After COVID, I was so upset that the gym's closed. And for three and a half months, I didn't go to the gym or something like that. I forget how long, probably three months. And I, I, it, it bothered me every single day, genuinely, that I didn't have a gym to go to. I was doing pull-ups in my closet, my door, um, like with like a chin-up bar. And it, it just wasn't the same, right? And I actually, on my first way to the gym, when the gyms opened back up, I ended up crying on my way there, just happy tears of joy, because I was just like, this has been bothering me literally every day. And, and now I haven't missed a single day, except for one day I went hiking. I went hike and hiked up, like watch use it. But what I told myself is I'm never going to miss another day of exercise. And, and here's the interesting thing. I actually am not like, I know that I sound probably arrogant when I say that, but I genuinely will never again, not exercise unless something really drastic were to happen. And from the moment I made that decision, that promise to myself, my promise to myself is simple. I will exercise every day for the rest of my life. That means I, it could be a walk. It could be a run. It could be going to the gym. It could be hiking a mountain like we did on this past Saturday with my girlfriend. No matter what, I'm never going to take exercise for granted again, and I'm going to prove it with my actions, and I'm going to exercise every day for the rest of my life. Now, I say that. People are like, well, what, do you, what if stuff comes up? I'll, no, it's a promise I've made to myself, and every time I keep that promise to myself, and I haven't missed, and I won't, I'm building self-esteem. If you're listening out there right now, how many promises have you made to yourself and not stuck with them? We have to start making more effective promises and keeping them. And then we'll have high self-esteem and then the haters won't bother us. Some heavy stuff, man. <laughs> so one more thing I'll give you too. When I say I go to the gym or exercise every single day, see how I set the bar as winnable? When I get to the gym, I set a timer on my phone for 40 minutes. I put on my, my headphones. I put my mask on. I don't talk to a soul. And I go in and as soon as that timer goes off, 40 minutes later, I finish my last set and I'm out. See, I will exercise every day for the rest of my life, but I'm not doing three-hour workouts. If I tried to do three hours every day for the rest of my life, I wouldn't be able to keep that promise. So there's two reasons we break promises to ourselves. Number one is we're lazy and I'm guilty of that too at times, right? We're not committed. Or, or and this is very common, you set unattainable bars. If you're trying to do a three-hour workout every day for the rest of your life, good luck. Unless you're an Olympic athlete, like, good luck. That's going to be very hard to hit. Set a winnable bar. Make the game winnable and then stay consistent. Um, consistency is everything. And I think that consistently keeping the promises you make to yourself is where self-esteem comes from. And then when it comes to the haters and dealing with them, here's what I'll tell you. I could come up to you every single day. And if you know in your heart of hearts that you're in shape, and I could say, you're out of shape, you're out of shape, you're out of shape, it wouldn't matter. I'm a hater. It wouldn't matter. You, would, you wouldn't even hear it. The reason why the feedback is hurting is because there's some part of it that's true. Look at that, shift that, and then you won't worry about the haters. Man, that was, that was some fire right there. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm just like, wow, you really went off. 
I appreciate that, man. It's true, though. Like, I find a lot of times, too, when people want to, you know, pick a new habit or, you know, start working out, they think that they need to, you know, their view of working out or being healthy or fit, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, is they're just, when they're in the gym is the only time when they are really exercising. But I really like how you explain to the listeners that really, like, the gym is just a tool. You just really need to, you know, move your body and do something every day if you truly want to, you know, be healthy and happy. It doesn't need to always be exactly. I like how you mentioned the 40-minute workouts because it doesn't always need to be a, a beat-yourself-up thing. I think people should shift their mindsets, you know, how can I make my body feel good today? What does my body want me to do? Am I listening to what kind of movement I need? Am I, you know, am I doing anything later that's going to require energy? Because if I'm taking all that energy for a three-hour workout, you're losing it somewhere else in the day and you're just, you know, kicking the can down the road. So I really like how you brought that up. I really appreciate that, man. It's, it's, uh, I remember one time and I'll, I'll bring this olive branch if you don't mind before your next question. I remember I was with Kevin and we were traveling and we did like seven podcasts in eight days, no, six podcasts in seven days out in California. But we did a lot of traveling airport to airport and all that. And I remember saying, Kevin, look at how blessed we are. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, look around, man. Like we are so blessed to be, to have the, the physiology we have, the bodies we have. It, it is, it is very, very sad to me. And it bothers me when you look around at how unhealthy human beings are right now, it is like unreal. I remember looking around in the airport, so many people are in pain and I just, I just have so much like, that's the other thing too look around and like you people say oh, I'm, oh yeah i'm grateful for my health i'm totally grateful for my health yeah yeah totally prove it show up show up you're not grateful for your health you don't even lift you don't even work out you don't even use your body and you say you're grateful for your health i don't want you to say it i want you to show it and i'm guilty of that too remember when i used to tell you i would drink a lot right it's like I, I thought i was grateful for my health back then i thought i was grateful for my powerful mind no i was poisoning it Right. So to me, if you're grateful for your health, you'll show it with your actions. I think behavior is the tell all. And if you're not showing up for yourself in the fitness arena, just look around. I have some friends that are paralyzed, two of them in particular, that would kill to be able to do what I can do. And I like I that use that fuels me, man. That fuels me. I, Eric Legrand. Um, I don't know if you heard that episode, but he's paralyzed. He was a Rutgers football player and he got paralyzed and he can't walk. I think about that all the time. I get, I can not only walk, but I can run, I can jump, I can lift. I sh I'm grateful for that, and I'm going to prove that with my actions. Yeah, recently too, I actually suffered from an ultimate frisbee injury, and back in January, I had like a partial tear in my glute, and I couldn't walk or run for like for a while. Like I could walk, but now I I started running again just because I'm so grateful that for the fact that you know. I didn't do it for so long. I'm like, shit, you know, I'm going to start running. I'm going to start doing more cardio because I really didn't see the value in them until they were taken away from me. And I'm like, I'm on that high and I want to keep yeah. going and going. That, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. After COVID, I knew like, I'm never going to take the gym for granted again. Don't, I said, Alan, don't you dare take the gym for granted again. Like you, like I, I had never thought of that. Like I never thought the gym would close for that long. Right. So I've, I'm said, I've set a new standard because I have a new level of gratitude for the gym. I mean, I literally wrote in my journal this morning, I said yesterday, one of my questions I asked myself is what did I not enjoy about yesterday that I could have enjoyed more? And I do my journaling every morning and, and I reflect on the previous day. And the thing I said was the gym. Like, I don't think I enjoyed my workout as much as I wanted to. Like, don't forget, Alan, don't forget the gym's clothes, right? Like you, you, you told yourself that you would never take it for granted again. You promised yourself. And so, um, just keeping a pulse on that super important. So what are some other tips and strategies you have used with not only yourself when you were, you know, working as a corporate job and now that with your busy schedule to, you know, find that balance with your fitness with the rest of your lifestyle. I understand that you do the short workouts, but are there any other tips for people to, you know, find the right balance? Cause I find a lot of times people are either, you know, 100% like we said earlier, or they're doing one workout a week or two workouts a week, but they're not really finding really a strategy that they can successfully implement to make it easier for them to, you know, stay in shape, still spend time with their family, still, you know, do other hobbies they enjoy. Yeah. So here, here's one thing I'll tell you when I was really 
earlier in college, I remember I read a book uh, called Steve Jobs. It's right there. Uh, Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. And Steve Jobs was my hero. And I know that he wasn't a very nice guy in certain regards, but in terms of how he showed up in the world in terms of the products and stuff like Apple, it was very admirable to me back then. And now I learn from him both what to do and what not to do. But I remember I wanted to be a Fortune 50 CEO. And that's kind of what drove me. And I guess for all your listeners to answer your original question, it's like check in on your macro goal. What what gets your focus is going to determine what you do and don't do, say and don't say, think and don't think, feel and don't feel. And, and we all have a centralized focus, uh, a circle of concern, if you will. And I think when I watch people, and I, again, I study human beings like constantly, right? Neuroscience, all this stuff. I always want to understand what is this person's circle of concern? What, what is their focus? So some people have a very pleasure-centered life and they don't even realize it. And uh, I'm thinking of someone right now who I consider uh, having a pleasure-centered life. This person doesn't know the implications of that. So for me, I don't live a pleasure-centered life. I, I, I used to when I was drinking and partying and having a lot of fun. I used to have a fun-centered life. Whatever was the most fun is what I would go do, right? If you're living that life, you're most likely drawn to, you feel pulled to things that are more fun, that are more pleasure-seeking. But what you don't understand is that things like fitness and fulfillment only come through hard work and sweat equity. And so you're going to have an aversion to hard work and sweat equity if you have a pleasure-centered focus. So to answer your question, what is your circle of concern? What bothers you when it's not going well? Some people, I have a mentor who makes a million dollars a year or more. When he's not making that much money, he's bothered by it. He has a thermostat. That's his standard, right? Whereas with fitness, no offense to him, his standard is far lower. So he has a higher standard for how much money he creates, wealth he generates in his life that's way higher than mine. I have a way higher fitness standard. If I miss the gym, I get very upset with myself. If he misses the gym, it's kind of like, eh, no big deal, right? Here's one thing I'll tell you. When the gyms closed during COVID, I want you to, everyone to check in with themselves right now. How upset were you that the gyms weren't available anymore? Okay. I have many clients. Okay. What I found most fascinating, this was interesting, is that the person who I'm thinking of right now, who was by far the most in shape, was actually the most upset that the gyms closed. I'm going to tell you a quick story because this is a fitness podcast and I want to really give, if you really hear what I'm about to say, this is going to be powerful for your life and for a peak performing life. Uh, this 4th of July weekend, uh, my girlfriend, her family has a lake house uh, in Western Massachusetts. Beautiful. I hadn't gone to an actual gym in three months or two months or whatever it was because of COVID, right? So I felt, I said to my, like I told my girlfriend and her family, like, this is the most out of shape I've been in years. Genuinely. I, I feel very not good about how I look and how I feel in my body because I didn't feel strong. I, I could tell I lost muscle mass, like all that. And they were so like, they kind of didn't understand because to them, they're looking at me. Right. And I'm the most in shape out of basically everybody there. But here's the thing. My standard is just different. And in their consciousness and other people's consciousness, maybe they're like, oh, well, that's not very good. Maybe why don't you love your body? Like you have a good body, like all that stuff. No, 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 no. It, it has nothing to do with muscle, uh, body dysmorphia or, or me being like not loving my body. Like I'm grateful for my body, 100%. I know that I have a higher standard. I am capable of way better. If I get to level 10, let's say, when I'm trying to shoot for 20, by the way, but I'm at level 10 and then you take away the tools that got me there, AKA the gym, I'm upset. Why? My thermostat, my standard for myself is much higher than what I was living. If you're out there right now, you have a financial thermostat, you have a fitness thermostat, you have a physique thermostat, you have an intimate relationships thermostat, you have a standard, mostly subconscious with who, what you tolerate from yourself and others. We get in life what we tolerate. What I find fascinating is that I was the most upset about the gym's closing while simultaneously being the most in shape. Okay, there's a reason for that. My client who was the most upset about the gym closing, who used to squat 315, 
as a 150 pound female. She, the gym's closed. I don't care if you squat three couches on your back. You're not going to be able to you like do. You're not going to be able to make progress, right? You don't. You don't go squatting 315 to then doing at home workouts and then progress. Okay, it's just that's just not how it works. And so, the person who was most in shape was the most upset when the gyms closed. And here's the kicker. I could tell that some people subconsciously were happy the gyms weren't available. This is a mirror for you if you're out there. If you had any, you know why? They were off the hook. You're off, if the gyms are closed, you don't have to go. When the gyms closed, how upset were you? And if you weren't upset and were subconsciously grateful, I would check in with your fitness thermostat. I know. Personally, I was pretty upset because I was training in the gym and I finally, after three months of training, learned how to do a bar muscle up and I completely forget. I'm just like, I, try, <laughs> I tried at the park last week. I'm like, I worked so long for this I know. I, and I can't even, I can't even get my head over the bar now. I'm just like, I can still do pull-ups, but I'm like, I'm like, and then I go and throw a band on. I'm like, wow, I can't even do a banded muscle up. So then I've been watching old videos of me doing it and all the, all the footage I've recorded. And I'm motivated to get back there. Just the fact that I've recorded is just like, that's what I do. Like with all my work, I, I record everything. I'm always watching, just seeing like how I move, what I'm capable of. And you know, that way I have something to beat myself on. Good for you, man. Good for you. And uh, my, I lost a lot of strength, man. Uh, you know, I was, I was bench pressing, you know, 220 regularly. I was doing incline bench up in the 200s. Now I'm, I'm weak again. And you take three and a half month, months off and you, you know, I am building again. I'm building, I'm building it back. But I'll tell you what, I'm weak compared to what I was. Genuinely. You, you don't, that, that's the thing people need to realize in my opinion. It's like, there are levels to every game. And, and if you're bench pressing 220 pounds regularly and then and increasing each time you go, and then all of a sudden you're doing at-home workouts, like you're – you're not, this is a very fundamentally misunderstood thing. COVID was a huge, as a matter of fact, during COVID, I stopped doing fitness coaching. And now here's why I realized that I think, I think a lot of people have a very strong misunderstanding of what it's actually going to take to have the physique they want. A lot of people want to look good on the beach, but that's a misaligned goal in my opinion. Um, I'll give you an example. My, my fitness coach. My fitness coach's goal was never to look good on the beach. His goal was to be the strongest, most capable human he can possibly be. His goal was to be 240 pounds of lean muscle mass with 11% body fat. He, guess what? He looks good on the beach. But if his goal was to look good on the beach, he would never have come close to what he looks like now. He's a monster. But do you see what I'm saying? if you're listening right now and you have a goal to look good for a wedding or look good for a beach, I understand why you're doing that because it's a little bit motivating in the moment, but you got to set a bigger goal. You've got to set a macro goal with your circle of concern to answer your original question. If you don't wake up in the morning thinking fitness, I would say that there's something that needs to shift. I wake up every, I, there's a reason why I won't miss a workout and this is nothing about me and I don't want to sound cocky. I designed my day around it. When I woke up this morning, I looked at my calendar and asked myself, where do I make sure I work out? My whole day is designed around that. I literally, if I wasn't going to get a workout today, I would have been willing to cancel anything else. I will not cancel the workout. And if you don't have that level of commitment, I would check in with it. I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks like that. For me, it's just like whenever I'm in, whenever I'm in a meeting or whatever, I'm in class at school. All I'm thinking about all day is when am I gonna work out? When am yep. I gonna work out? Is yep. this over yet? I want to go to the gym. I want to lift. <laughs> like it, it was always so hard to study when I was when I while, while I'm doing my master's degree. I, if I would go right after class to study, my brain would be like gym, gym, gym. Yeah, yeah, that's, awesome. that, that's like, awesome. Like something I just gotta get done. But one thing I do to help with that is when I wake up, like I just go right into, you know, I'm, I do a bit of stretching. I just roll my shoulders around and then I jump right to the floor. I do some cat cows and then I meditate. And that's like my first invitation of exercise for the day. And I find when I don't do that, I don't really move as much during the day. So I just try to get started with something like I, as soon as I wake up, I think, okay, 
One, how can I ground myself? Two, how can I get rid of this soreness from sleeping? So it's good we're, we're on the same page with that. Oh, so fire. And, and why I mentioned Steve Jobs earlier is I noticed that really successful business people, I would notice a pattern. I, I love to see patterns. Generally speaking, okay, generally speaking, super, super successful business people tend to be very out of shape. Okay. I realized, I figured out why. I think I figured out why. Their circle of concern is their business, not their body. Okay. So, so if you're out there right now, and, and the reason why I mentioned my goal of wanting to be a Fortune 50 CEO is because back then, that was my dream. My dream didn't include a great body. So therefore, my actions weren't aligned. You see, I was chasing something subconsciously that was actually detrimental to my health and fitness. So if you want to have a great body and a great business, you're going to have to be very hyper-conscious of the fact that you need to set goals in both those arenas. And that's why the circle of concern, like Steve Jobs' circle of concern was not be, having a good physique. It just wasn't. I mean, you know, he didn't lift ever, right? So, so why is that? And is that what you want? Because yes, I admire him for the impact he had with his products and services on the world, the industries that he revolutionized. But I don't admire him for fitness, genuinely, right? I don't, nor should I, honestly. And so if you're listening out there, like figure out who are your heroes, who do you admire, why do you admire them? And then also like, okay, The Rock, great business person, phenomenal business person, okay? Working with Under Armour, started a tequila company, like very successful in Hollywood and all that, also in shape. The Rock and Steve Jobs both have huge goals, the Rock's goals included fitness. See? See the difference, right? And that, that's a macro goal. And so if you're out there and fitness is a priority, don't make it everything, but make sure it's one of your most important things. Yeah, it's so true because a lot of people don't, if you don't have that awareness, you wouldn't even consider really looking at your schedule for the day. A lot of people, like, it's crazy how they just wait until it just until it's convenient for them, but they don't really kind of dive in and just kind of just like go all at it they're just kind of you know still just going 50 percent their whole time wondering why they're getting stronger but looking the same right if you're out there right now and dave let's do this today and i mean this with with love today going to the gym is a must for me it's it's not a question guys and and i there are other things that are a question there are other things that are negotiable, right? So whether or not I post on social media today, even though that's something I want to do for the podcast and my business and to add value to people, that's not a must in my consciousness. That might fall. The gym will not fall. I'm going to the gym today no matter what, okay? No matter what. No matter what comes up, I'm going. Do you feel that way about fitness? And then if your listeners are out there right now, what are your musts? What are the things that you always find a way to do no matter what comes up, what comes up, no matter what distractions, no matter what emergencies, like what are the things that are absolute musts for you? Is fitness one of them? And if not, why not? It's true to really look at that too. Cause I know, I'm not sure if I heard this from you or your podcast, but I believe it was something about how your life is like the sum of all your habits. So it's really cool to take that second to look at what your priorities are because if people aren't hyper conscious it's very hard to really achieve that level of you know the life you want to live for you dave do you what do you consider your priorities your top top priorities for, for me it's like i would say you know it'd be fitness slash mobility making sure i have no pain making sure i move well you know two eating well three meditating every day being mindful you know four is my business and then five is my my school and physiotherapy Oh, look at that clarity. See, everyone listening, Dave has absolute clarity. I guarantee you those five areas are going to be very successful. Mm -hmm. Now, the question becomes what other areas are going to get neglected? And is that okay with you? I mean, and that's I can, fine. Right? I can yeah. go into that for you. Like for me, like I have, I've been learning guitar for like, you know, like I've been trying to learn since grade nine, but I've been seriously learning since 2016. And I've been, it's been nice being home. I've been playing more, but it's one of those things like it's really nice. Like I've been consistent the last two weeks. But it's kind of around, you know, it's like that sixth one. I, I give myself a buffer, you know, if I've done all those five things, then, you know, I can go to that sixth one. Right. So it's, I feel it's good to have this sort of balance, but I find like I still find times for other things as well. But you have to have like, 
one or two hobbies. You can't have five hobbies aside from your top five priorities. <laughs> right. I mean, you can, but you have to understand if you have a bunch, you're going to be mediocre at all of them. And that's yeah. the thing, you know, like you're not going to be a world-class guitarist and you know that, right? You know that. And I don't mean to be mean, but like at your current trajectory, yeah. if I'm playing guitar seven hours a day, every day, and it's my must, and you're only playing every other day for like a half hour, I'm going to be better than you. Like it, it, it is what it is. Right. Um, and, and I that, think that, go ahead. And that's really the beauty about it is you can really just, you know, if you make that choice and be like, I just want to, you know, learn this one song. I just want to learn it to prove for me. It's just to prove to myself that I can learn some really hard Metallica songs. So I don't care how long that takes me, but it just like, it can be, a, you know, my fun hobby, but yeah, I like, I like what you were saying about that. That's what lifestyle design is. It's choice. And I, I love Metallica, by the way. That's awesome. Um, but like the guitarist in Metallica, right, is always going to be better than you. Not because he's better than you. He just practiced longer and harder. More consistently. Right? Like. Yeah, and I think the big thing here is, too, is you can really become a master of anything if you take those steps. Like we're talking about make that choice. Make it your priority and just determine what you want out of it. And I think people need to have the right expectations for the things they're going into. And by having that, well, not really expectations, but like the right, you know, the right understanding of their deeper whys and you know why they want to achieve something and like their desired outcome instead of just going to something with any any regard for what you're trying to get out of your behavior. Mm, powerful, powerful. This has been this has been some really deep stuff, man. Uh, I, anyone listening to this, this has been valuable for me too. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to wrap up or anything, but this has been good. I really appreciate this. I feel like the future of fitness, like everyone's got to be doing this, you know, habit coaching, mindset coaching. Like it's so powerful. Like there's been clients I've had in the past and I was like, why is there so much resistance to, you know, to connect with them and to get them to, you know, buy into what I'm trying to teach them. But it, I didn't really, it wasn't until I had my own coach who taught me, you know, how I could shift my perspective around my fitness was until, you know, I could start coaching someone like that. So I feel recently I've been investing in myself to develop a lot more, whether it be, you know, podcasts, my meditation coach, you know, personal development coaches, etc. cetera. Uh, it's helped me, you know, the more I learn, the more you can really help other people. And I'm sure after, you know, over 400 episodes, you're like, you're like a, you can help so many people and you've learned so much more. It's kind of like a, like a, summative effect yeah there's an accumulated compound effect of knowledge over time i remember one time my my assistant now amy uh when we first started she was my first client she's my first client several years ago so cool and now she's my assistant and and just such a dear friend of mine but at the time i remember when she first met me she's like i don't understand like how do you know so much and i said amy it's it's just the compound effect of insatiable curiosity over time i've just always wanted to understand everything um, that's just been a part of my circle of concern has always been like, what does that mean? Like last night I was watching a movie with my girlfriend and they said a word that we didn't understand. Contrary. You ever heard someone say to the contrary? Well, it was a, a movie where it was based in Ireland. It was called the secret garden and they used it in a different context than I had ever heard before. And we, we looked it up right there, right then and there. And she's like, Oh, let's look that up. And we found out that what it really means. And, dictionary.com is on my the home page of my phone because anytime i don't know something i take the time right then and there to go and learn it because when i said at the beginning of this episode that life is about choices i remember we had michael burt on the show coach michael burt i think it was like episode we had him on a couple times probably 260 anyways he said something super profound he said success comes down to good choices period but here's the problem. You can only make good choices to the extent that you understand. Your, your choices can only be as good as your understandings. So of all the things in life to get, get understanding. Of all the things to get rid of, get rid of entitlement, right? The moment you think you're entitled to something is the moment you're not grateful for it. The moment you're not grateful for it is the moment you're not going to try to understand it at a deeper level. The moment you stop trying to understand it at a deeper level is the moment you stop growing and therefore you can't contribute to others. And so again, your life is going to come down to choices, but are you making good or bad choices? And by the way, your choices and my choices 
are predicated on our current level of understanding. If you have a deeper understanding of mobility and fitness and how the body works, you're going to make better fitness choices, or at least you have the opportunity to. Some people have understanding and still make a bad choice. I've been there. You've been there. We're all guilty mm -hmm. of that. Um, but a lot of people just don't. One of the reasons why I got so um, excited about moving into business coaching is because when I see someone like you, David, I literally see so much opportunity. I literally, I think I told Kevin this. I'm like, he would kill it if he had a few more distinctions because I, you and I were on the phone and I told you, you know, again, 400 episodes in the podcast arena, my awareness is, is just much higher than it used to be. And I see so much of us in you and it's like, oh, if I could go back and teach us the stuff I know now, right, it would change the whole game. And so that's kind of a, a thing. And, and for your listeners, it's like, get, try, try to learn why things are the way they are and understand at a deeper level what's what and why it's that way so that you can start to really make better choices in your own life and get that sort of momentum that a lot of your heroes probably have man you got me thinking so much about like greg plate quotes <laughs> and then and the one one of my favorite one it was like stop waiting for the storm to pass by and start dancing in the fucking rain and i feel yeah. like <laughs> like that's always been in the back of my head for like anything i do because it just like just like have that pig-headed discipline and take that action <laughs> it's, it's so true but I, but i definitely agree though like i've been doing a lot of, of reading online and stuff i'm seeing on social is like it's not that people are, are smarter or better than you it's that they you know they're able to take those shortcuts and avoid and learn from other people's mistakes so definitely like even whether you have a fitness coach or a business coach i feel like it's good to you know have someone guide you so you can get where you want to be with less of that frustration yeah, it's so, so, so important. Sit, go learn from someone who sits in the very seat you want to sit in. You know, like my fitness coach, for example, like I remember looking at his physique going, how? Oh my God, this dude is like, he's a monster, right? Probably 220, probably sub 12% sub body fat, just a monster, six foot four, um, lean, aesthetic, just really good physique, unbelievable physique, truly. Um, and super strong, super strong, unbelievable mobility. He was good at basketball, sports, everything. I just, I learned so much from him. Of course he knows more than I do. He's been doing it for a decade. You know, like I'm telling you, you owe it to yourself to learn from somebody like that. Just ask questions and just be curious. Like, how did you, how did you do that? What do you do every day? Like, and here's the other thing too. Take notice. They're not better than you. They're just doing something different or they know something different or a combination of both. If someone has a result that you want, Okay. It's not because they're better, smarter, faster, quicker. None of that. Okay. None of that. It's because they know something you don't and are doing things you don't do and probably have done them and known those things longer than you. That's it. You know, and maybe there's some genetic natural talent in there too, you know, of course, but like, unless you're playing basketball against LeBron James, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the genetic part. Like, you know, you, you can learn from success. Success leaves clues. Man, I have so much respect for athletes who are like, you know, aesthetic and ripped and they can move well. Like, it's just like, because I found there's a little bit of disconnect with, you know, fitness and bodybuilding. A lot of people, you know, ask me on a daily basis, why? Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Desk Bound Therapy Podcast. Take a second, leave me a five-star comment and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love to know your thoughts about the show, what you like best, and who you'd like me to have on. 